Hello, 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 and welcome back. Hey, and how you doing? Today is part two of my conversation with Nicole Vick. Hey, Nicole, how you doing today? I am doing well. I got my hair wrap on, got my Black Women Lead t-shirt on. I'm ready. Let's do it. I love that. I love that. So first, you need to let me know, where'd you get Black Women Lead t-shirt? Because I did just find Power Black, and I did just get... um uh. I'm classy, but I cuss a little. And then I got the, um, another black woman shirt. But where'd you get that? Tell everybody where we got that shirt from. So this shirt is from an organization called Higher Height. And it's an organization that helps uh, black women become policymakers, run for office, all that good stuff. So Higher Heights is their website. And I think this was probably one of their ways that they raised money for their organization. But I'm sure they still sell them um, and I love, I have a pink one, you know. <laughs> hey, because that's what we do, right? Because black women lead, and that's what we do. And one thing I think is so, like, it's so cool that you have that shirt on today because, you know, when we think about where we are in terms of any indicator, any indicator of health, whether we're talking about economic health, whether we're talking about social health, whether we are talking about mental health, physical health, that same conversation, right, around those pieces all require that we jump in, that we do something, that we lead. And then when you look around and you say, okay, who is doing these things and how are these things happening? You see them being led by black women. You see that right now, black women are the highest uh, percentage of the population that are starting their own businesses, that are becoming entrepreneurs, that are leaving corporate and other, you know, formal um, institutions that are, uh, you know, PWI or primarily white institutions. And we see black women leading. Yes. Absolutely. And I love it. Um, even here in Los Angeles, where I am right now, we have uh, a black woman on the county board of supervisors. We have um, black women that are running for office at the state level. We have a black woman that is running for the mayor of Los Angeles. And you might say, well, that's just mayor of Los Angeles. That's, you know, not a big thing. Do you know that Los Angeles has like one of the largest economies in the world? In the world. Uh, and so if this black woman who actually many years ago started an organization here in South LA called Community Coalition. If she becomes mayor of Los Angeles, think about how powerful that is. And she's currently running against a developer, someone that has a lot of money. And it's like, okay, so which direction? Are, you know, come on, city of LA. I need you to, you know, understand the assignment. <laughs> let's let's vote for the right person. We'll see. Though. I, I don't know. You know how things are these days. Up is down. Down is up. I, it, it really is, but it's such. It, it shows you though how there's such an amazing opportunity to really do something great. Like, I mean, just imagining, you know, because um, you said it's Karen Bass, right? Yeah. Who is amazing. Her being the mayor of Los Angeles, I mean, that would change the game. That would change the game because it wouldn't be just about developing and how do you make more money for rich people. It would be about how do we help the community and the people who are already here how do we help these people build and thrive i mean i can just i mean because i follow karen i mean so so okay let's back up because me and you didn't really have our deep down politics conversation yet like like our rooted like politics conversation so you knew i grew up on the east coast so i grew up in philadelphia and 
because um, my my family is, um, you know, fortunate enough to be a college family, you know, I'm like, you know, several generations of college, you know, but they went to HBCUs because that's where we could get in right back then. But I started reading very early and I started following politics very early. And I don't know had my, you know, grand, uh, my like my aunts, my great aunts and great uncles who had went to, you know, Howard and all those schools. If I hadn't, you know, if I hadn't gotten an interest in politics because of their background. So because of that, I've always followed politics. Like I always tell everybody, Jimmy Carter was my first president. Like literally I followed politics from him forward. Right. And so anytime there was a black woman, I mean, Shirley Chisholm, I mean, can I tell you every year I was writing reports on her. I was always trying to see what else she was doing. Oh, she wrote a legislation about this. Oh, they ignored that. She did this. They ignored that. She, Shirley Chisholm, I mean, can you just imagine if she would have been our, the first black woman president? Trailblazer. Trail. I mean, so far ahead of her time. Like, what? Oh, my gosh. You know, it would have been so amazing, but, you know. <laughs> right. Right. So because of, like, people like Shirley Chisholm, because of people like Barbara Jordan, because of people like... Um, I mean, I just, I mean, there's, there's tons, you know, I know Karen Bass and I followed her and, you know, I remember even in, you know, the, um, in the, you know, Obama years and before the, you know, orange person, um, you know, when they were running for president, you know, I was, that's when I really started, you know, watching her and she was speaking up against Garcetti and, you know, you know, it's a lot of corruption. And, and when you think about, you know, how, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's true. But the men that have been in charge of all these systems, all these organizations, all these institutions, all this time, and they've been doing the same stuff, been making right. the same mess, been been keep from doing the same thing. And we really need to, as black women, say, you know what? stop waiting for other people and we need to lead ourselves. So I'm, I'm super happy to hear that, you know, that she's doing that and, you know, let's, um, you know, keep in touch about it. And I will be happy to, you know, promote, to tag, you know, to do what I can on my end, because it's important that those kind of people are put in position because they represent the real people. Right. So if you telling me some big developer, is trying to come to Los Angeles, right? And he wants to be the mayor. Okay, so, and which reminds me of, so when I went to Hawaii um, this year, mm -hmm. Honolulu has a white mayor. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I, I, I'm like, how does that even happen? How, and, the, and a governor, and their governor is white. Yeah. So their senator is Hawaiian, but but there's but why, how, how would their officials be white? They're not from mm -hmm. there, so they came there and they bought votes, and then they became in power. Yeah. So that's what this same developer is trying to do in LA. But I was mm -hmm. astonished by that, and I was talking to the Hawaiian people, and you know, I would say the Hawaiian people that I talked to, I would say. 60% were Hawaiian Islanders, but uh -huh. the others were different, you know, uh, you know, mixed Asian, a lot of Filipino, Vietnamese, Filipino mix and stuff like that. Koreans, of course, but mixed, right? But I was just asking all of them, like, how would y'all have white government officials on your island? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, you know, the whole history of Hawaii, and I don't even pretend to know all of it, but, you know, the Dole Pineapple, you know, industry and how, you know, Hawaii really just kind of got turned into um, what a lot of other communities get turned into. One minute it has this culture and this flavor and its soul and this whole, you know, way of living. And then, oh, wait, there's a way to exploit that. We're going to come over there and do that. Let's do that. And then the next thing you know, it's not what it was. And then people are like, what happened? Um, and it, it almost to the point, well, not almost, to the point where people, the Native Hawaiians are like, don't even come to Hawaii. Don't come here. Don't, yep. you know, yep. degrade our, our resources. Yep. We're all just taking all everything. So yep. um, it's really been this pushback uh, by that by that uh, culture. Like, stop. Stop coming. We don't, that's okay. We're good. We're good. And I felt it, and I felt it for them. And I was like, and you know, nobody is like that towards black people because they know, right? They love us, right? <laughs> because they know. But like, I mean, even when I went to Latin America, it was like, like I said, it was like, it was just like, where do these white people come from? And 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 so it's so interesting. But what what I think it also does is I think it speaks to the conversation that we were having in part one around, you know, looking at things from an individual holistic kind of standpoint but in that community and collective way in understanding all of the different factors that really play into what public health is and how it all comes together so I mean you know I think you know, we had a, a part of the conversation, right? We talked about what those pieces were. And yeah. part of it also was really around how we do as individual people have power in these systems, right? So so maybe if we think about, you know, a, as being leaders, as being especially leaders in our community, in our doggone families, right? How do we step up in the public health realm, right? In those different areas, in that place, even if we say, you know, let's just get it in where we can, where we fit in, right? So, like, I'm a communications person, okay, right? So then that means I can use my voice, right, to communicate, you know, things that are important. But what are some things other people can do? You know, a lot of things, I've been reading a lot of articles lately about gentrification, the changing of neighborhoods. And it's really scary. Um, and I think a lot of people aren't aware of how these things work. And one of the things, I just read an article early this morning about a community here called West Adams, how one developer literally has, has 40 different properties that he's bought over the years. And they're just, re just flipping them, just redeveloping around the existing community. And everybody's like, what's going on? Um, and one thing I thought to myself, I said, self. <laughs> I said, self. That's what I do. I mean, like, self, come on now. <laughs> I'm like, the sad part about this is all these shifts and changes to this neighborhood were probably happening 10 years ago when nobody even noticed. Nobody even noticed what was happening when those properties were underdeveloped and were being sold for, you know, nothing. That old developers are scooping them up and holding them. So I think a lot of it is about being aware. Um, another quick story about that. I worked at a health center in um, South LA. And when I saw that Starbucks come, Everybody was like, oh my gosh, a Starbucks. And I was the only one that said, this is bad news. It's the bad news. So your property now, um, you be, if you own it, you better hold on because That's everything right. around you is going to change. That's right. So again, as far as being involved, you have to start paying attention to what's happening in your neighborhood. It can be as simple as getting to know your neighbors by name. 
and having conversations about what's happening in your community and then figuring out a way to get involved. There are churches in your community. There are organizations that are doing the work. Align yourself. If you can't do that, because people have different levels of involvement. They ain't got time. They got two jobs. Got it. But if there's something that you can do with your skills and talents to be engaged, definitely do it. The other side of that is voting. And again, we talked about this, not the presidential elections so much. We're talking about local, your city, your city council, your neighborhood council. Some communities have neighborhood councils. Go to those meetings and find out what's going on and what's happening so you can have a voice. Because if we don't say anything, and I already said this last week too, if you're not at the table... You on a menu. <laughs> look, 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 look. I am so I'm I am doing my new like, you know, uh branding and my new stuff. I got it already on a thing. Nicole Vick. <laughs> I quote it. Like because that is true in every aspect. And you know, it's funny, so you know, I live in a, a, a newer community. Uh well, I shouldn't say that. My community is a farm community. Literally farmers, like literally Boom farm, boom farm that I can see. Now I can't throw throw far. Like even if I had a football, I couldn't throw even nobody could throw a football as far as they are, but I can see them from where I, I am. So my development is new. My development was built in twenty twenty and mine is the last house. So because it's the last house, it's closer to the old development, which is just like on the outskirts of the farm land, which you can see for miles. There's a golf course here and then over there and there's wineries Mm -hmm. and everything because I'm in Oregon. Okay, so um, when I get on my little local uh, mailers and stuff, right, like one I got over there right now, it got like the people running for office Mm -hmm. and they got on. You know, little Jim Bob got on his flannel, little whatever, and it's just a picture somebody took in the backyard of him, right? But he is going to be running for something, right? And you need to know what he's about and, and, and figure him out. Because if you live in that neighborhood or that community, especially yep. if you have children that are young, you want to know what kind of laws and rules and things are being made, right? So yep. that you know what's happening. So me, I moved here and I'm I'm probably the only person that doesn't have kids because I think the whole neighborhood is full of kids. Because I guess only only people with kids buy new houses, right? Old people don't really <laughs> buy old, new houses. That, like I kind of thought about that, like. How come it's no? Like, and my neighbors are older. My neighbors next to me are, are my age, and and they have kids in college or grown kids or whatever. But anybody, anyway, there's little kids. So I always think, you know, who do I need to pay attention to vote for? Yep. If you have kids, you need to pay attention to the school board. If you own anything. Or even if you're even if you're renting or leasing, you still need to be paying yeah. attention to the district attorneys and the um, sheriffs and yeah. those other offices that literally could be Billy Bob living down the street. And even if you live in a big city like L.A. or a city like Philly, you know, where I grew up, you need to know. I remember, you know, um, Dwight Evans, who is a rep in Philly, a, a U.S. House of Representatives. He'd been a representative since I was a kid. I remember he used to come over mm-hmm. on Saturday morning. I was like, no, man, I'm watching Soul Train. You could talk to my mom. And I would be like, like, don't be coming at 12 o'clock with your, 
whatever. We know we good. We know what you talking about. He want to, you know, sign this petition and talk. Oh. Yeah, but that's how. But that's how it started. So back to you know me being in love with Shirley Chisholm and me knowing who Karen Bass is and Barbara Jordan and you know following you know all of every woman politician in America. You know, um, because knowing how we have to bring all these pieces together, but really helping people be educated about the things they need to be aware around. Right. I'm concerned about we are so distracted with so many things that we are unable to have awareness and focus around some really, really important things. So like this is April 28th. Literally, I know my state has a primary. I think this is... 22 so at least what 14 states 18 states got primaries right i think so i think it's a good amount it's Mm -hmm. a good amount yeah i mean a lot of people you know again and to be fair a lot of people got other things going on it's a lot going on people are trying to survive people are, are trying to make it from day to day and so sometimes some of these things don't really you know land on people's radar um but i also will say and i know you probably agree a lot of times the complication of policy, politics, and legislation is on purpose for people not to get it. Oh, well, I don't understand this. This seems so foreign to me. I don't know what this is. So, you know, I don't blame you. I wouldn't try to get involved either. I'm like, I don't understand. I don't even understand. They write the propositions in a way where it's like, well, does yes mean yes or does yes mean no? I don't Yes. Know. You know, so you get it. I feel like sometimes these things are confusing on purpose to really you know steer things a certain way and if you don't get it you 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 know you miss out and something happens in your neighborhood and you're like said i don't never sign enough for that yeah you did you know so i think a lot of that stuff is confusing on purpose government is not and politics are not always accessible to people um and i just don't know you know i don't i can't sit here and say it's not it's an accident i don't think it is and it it, it is, and the, and the, and as soon as you said that statement, you know the first thing that came to my mind is, and it's the incumbents. So any person that's an incumbent right now, those are the ones. Cause I, cause I got my pamphlet yesterday. It was this thick. Cause we have mail in here. And my pamphlet was like this for a primary. And I, I live in a different community than the last time we had a primary. I live in a different community last time we had different kinds of, of elections, right? Um, so things are different. Um, but I said to myself, okay, if I was one of the families with small kids, if I got two little kids, do I have time to read this? Even if I have one kid and a job, do I have time to read this in my leisure? Not something this thick. And so it is on purpose. And so at the very least, I think what people can do is evaluate the incumbent and look at how things are going right now. Has anything gotten better for you in the last two years in your neighborhood, in your school, your police, your fire, your mail, your local stuff, your zip code? In your zip code, has anything gotten better? If not, get rid of that person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, especially if they've been in more than three or four terms. Now, yeah. if it was they first term in and they didn't get anything done and it's a two year term, okay, maybe you can give them a shot. But like these, these, um, career, yeah, 
these career politicians that's been 12 and 14, 18, 22 years and all this nonsense, and you living in a poor community and your community mm-hmm. is just as beat up as it was, you don't have a grocery store like we talked about, you don't have, you know, you can't get a, a Trader Joe's up in there, you know, I don't give a damn about a Whole Foods. They can, <laughs> you know what they can do for me. But, but, but I mean, or come on. Or your bus line, you know, you don't have a, you know, your, your metro system, you know, is not working for you or, you know, you do, it, it's important um, to, to figure out what's going on, who's in charge, who's responsible um, and push back. And I think we also forget that, that they are working for us and, you know, we can call the city council office, we can call the county, whoever office and say, hey. Um, there's something going on down here and it's been like this for, you know, X amount of days or weeks or months. Can somebody come fix this? I mean, they, they have to respond they, right. as far as I know. So it's like, you just have to really start to realize and recognize that their job is to work for you. But again, if it's complicated, if you don't speak the language, um, if you can't read the materials, again, it's, it's a way to keep you, you know, separated from. Um, that kind of stuff, and and it can be very hard to navigate. So, it, it really is. It really is. But I think you know that there is such a great opportunity for us to put our power that we all have right into action and say, you know what, bump that. So you know, like I, like we had a little bit of a conversation about you know how these large corporations you know don't want their companies. Uh, workers to unionize right but that's only because they are just being so super greedy but this is what you could do let's say you work for any fast quick service chain any of them any of them it doesn't matter you can start talking to the people on your shift and you can say hey how much you making an hour i'm making seven uh 55 well i'm only making 735 huh well, let's ask this next person and this next person and this next person. And then you're looking at the work. And then you're looking at the supervisor. And then you start looking at who is who and who look like this versus who look like this. And you start talking and y'all start figuring out, huh, it don't matter. We all look like this. We all making around 7 or $8. There's a problem here. Yeah. When yeah. those billionaires have made more money since the pandemic than they have ever made in all of that time in and and manufactured all of that oh supply chain they manufactured all of it so people would just buy 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 and buy and it worked it's horrible and one of the things you talked about that i think is really important is that idea of we need to get comfortable with sharing our salaries and i think there's been some sort of push for people to be transparent about that because that's how you find out to your point wait a minute, I do the same job as John over here. Why am I getting paid $15,000 less than he is? But you don't know that because you're not having a conversation. Now, where I work, you know, I work in government. That's a non-issue because everybody's salary is public. It's public. My name um, and and type in the COVID salary and, and the government website will tell you what I make. So in the government, I think in one way, that's one of the equalizers there. Like, you, we know what everybody makes. Right, because you know how much the president makes. You know how much the senators make. You know how much male people make. You know how much every person has a government job. Right. But in private industry, you don't know because, you know, we've been taught we don't discuss salary. But then you don't realize is that, dang, this guy came after me 
and has less experience and he makes more than me. What is going on? And so it, it becomes an opportunity to leverage. I've seen conversations on Twitter where black women have said to maybe someone that they're in a position to hire or interview with, uh-uh, when you go in there, Ask for this much. I tell them all the time. Listen, I have I have my young women from my STEM, you know, I call them my STEM women, you know, text me and stuff all the time. I be like, okay. And they're like, I never made that much before. I'm like, I don't care. That's how much the job is supposed to be paying. Right. You have been underpaid. This is what the job is supposed to pay. So this is what it is. And if they don't want to pay that, then you have to decide for yourself, you know, how desperate are you right now? If you still have a current job, you're not desperate so if you have a current job and unless they are just breaking you down so bad mentally that you and that you just can't take it another day you you can negotiate and you can uh give yourself enough love to ask for what you're worth so i had a conversation with somebody that was trying to talk to me about a contract right because i left corporate america you know last year and i'm you know doing my own thing and this person was like saying you know well how they said well you know i'm looking here at your because uh, they asked me for a resume i said listen i don't do resumes i don't do resumes i said i am 53 years old i have been in corporate i have more than 30 years of corporate experience you can look at my linkedin profile you can have a conversation with me and talk about what i do i said if right. you want some kind of resume i said i don't know what to tell you um so i sent him like this little <laughs> so i sent him this like Little, I had uh, my admin pull together like this little cover sheet that just had some, uh, you know, my experience in years because I thought maybe that's what they wanted, whatever. Long story short, right, he sees on there that, you know, I am uh, a CEO, right, of my company, Radical Change. He sees on there, right, that I'm a curator of a think tank, right? He sees on there that I am the creator of a digital network, and he sees on there that I am a podcast and talk show host on Living Corporate. And he says to me, well, it looks like you have four full-time jobs. So how would you take a contract? I mean, you know, we are miracle workers, so I mean... We are, but just but if I'm running it, what do you think that means? Right, <laughs> right. I, I can do this. I got this. like I'm running it. It doesn't say I work for Pepsi, Coca Cola, Sprite, right. and Mountain Dew. It says right. I own and it's operate these entities. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I know so, how to move stuff around and make things. You know. Right. And and that's how we and that's how we get down. Right. That is how we how we do things. And and so the point around, you know, the distractions, the the, the point around that the, these politicians are the ones who allow these companies to make these laws, these rules, because politicians right, come up with the bills and the proposals and the propositions that are going to best benefit these companies. Because what people need to understand is that these CEOs and all these companies, they pay politicians to pass the laws that are going to benefit them. And those laws that are going to benefit them are usually right, laws that um, are going to hurt employees. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's un it's so unfortunate. I don't know where the shift happened in our society, where where employees have now become like pawns and this this sort of you know where they're last, where they're they're feeling their thoughts, their needs, their their concerns are you know put so far below profit, you know, and that's why I love that that I don't know if you heard it, profit over people or 
the people over profit. People sorry. over profit. Yes, people over profit. No, the way they got it, and that's how they got it now. <laughs> that's how they got it now. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's how they got it now. Right. And that's what we got to turn around because that's how they got it working. And so we have to we have to do, you know, we have to do that, you know, do that same thing and, and really continue. Like we have to push on it because nobody is coming. And, you know, I always think back to when Damon John came out with the FUBU, you know, clothes back in the 80s. I said for us, by us, because literally no one is coming. And we have got to at some point say, okay we just want to stand up right and don't be weak in the knees <laughs> and don't be weak in the knees and just say you know we're going to do it because it's important and 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 it's the right thing and 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 you know we have got to do that and even if we think because i think one of the points of frustration for people is I'm not going to be able to make a difference. It's just me, right? So whether we're talking about the voting conversation or whether we are talking about trying to get active in our community or whether we are talking about, you know, trying to really do something, I think people feel like, oh, it's just me. And, you know, I don't really have, you know, that much of a voice or, you know, um, it's not going to have the same meaning. People need to understand that that's not true. It's not. It's not. Again, the guy that unionized, you know, that, that part of Amazon, I think it's on the East Coast, um, folks that are out here doing the work, it all, all, almost always just take that one person to say, this isn't right. Um, after the riots, and, and it's timely because April uh, 30th is, uh, you know, the anniversary of the L.A. riots here in Los Angeles it happened back in 1992, you know. When we started to rebuild, it was, you know, individuals a lot of times, like, we don't want this in our communities anymore. We don't want liquor stores back here. They were part of the problem. We want other things. We don't want this. We don't want that. And they were able to push uh, for a change. And again, going back to Karen Bass, you know, her organization was one of those that was like, we don't want our communities to look the way that they did before the riots. We want to see different. And ultimately, it was, you know, engaging community. And it does only sometimes take that one person to say something because nine times out of ten, that one person that says something, the person next to him is like, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I thought it was just me, and it wasn't. And then you start to gain that momentum, and then that's how things happen because ultimately it's hard to, to push against the establishment, the system. It's hard. So you got to come with other people, and ultimately it is usually that one voice that inspires other people and then something happens. So, yeah, yeah, I I agree, I agree. And one of the things I'm trying to do, and I, and I would love your help in this, is, mm -hmm. you know, when you, um, especially here of young people, you know, um, teenagers and people, you know, in the under 30 group, when they doing something, I feel like they, their voice, those are the people who need to be elevated and amplified and listened to. Because literally, this is their future world that we messing up. Uh, that, no. Right? No. This is their future world that we messing up. Right? Yeah. And I think all the time, you know, in 30 years or, or 40 years when everybody's walking around wearing gas masks and there's no damn trees and all the fruit is frozen from 15, 20 years ago in freeze-dry stuff and everybody eating food out of cans and boxes and bags and, 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 and stuff, 
our great grandkids gonna be like, damn, how y'all do us like that? How you do us like that? That's what they gonna say. They gonna say, how y'all do us like that? So I have one daughter who I know wants to be a mother one day. And so, you know, I um, am fighting for her and for every other young person, unborn person that, you know, wants to live in a clean earth that is not, I like to say that don't have a whole bunch of harm and don't have a whole bunch of hate in it, right? Yeah. So can we just take some of the harm and the hate out of the world? Just a little bit of it. Just some of it. And I, mean, I, I don't know. I hope we get to that day. But one thing you just said about moms and, and, and women in the future having babies, I mean, that's something else. That's a public health issue that we could even touch on as well. Like, yeah. we still have an African-American infant and maternal mortality problem in this country. And it's directly related to the social injustices in this country, yep. the health inequities. And it's not just about the lack of health care access. No. It's not mm -mm. that. It's not just that. It's the, the structure and systems in this society that place black women in harm's way, um, their mental health, uh, their economic their situation, all of those things make it very, very hard um, to be healthy and safe during your pregnancy. And it's a real thing. People think, oh, it's not, no, that's just over there. And, and then the poor black women, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. Across the board, our infant maternal and mortality rates are horrible, are abysmal. Um, and it, it should be sounding every alarm everywhere yep. in this country where like, what is happening? Um, but you know, nobody's really, oh, well, I'm not gonna say nobody. Cause I know our communities are right around or have the, we have the doulas like, look, we just gonna have our babies at home. We're going to take it back to the old school. We just and that's what we have to do. Like, you know, like I keep on thinking about, I, I, um, so I, <laughs> you know, you, 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 you on TikTok, right? Yes. Okay, so you know how they'll, they they have they'll have like the little things and they'll say things black people do for no reason, right? Uh -huh. Okay, so one of the things I do that black people do for no reason, and I do a, I probably do twenty of thirty of them. I do a lot of those things. One of the things I do for no reason, but obviously there is a reason because we do well, it, is when I want to go to sleep, I turn on boring TV. <laughs> I turn on something that I have seen a thousand times because it, it's like just background, but yeah. the radio doesn't work. And sometimes ocean sounds or rain, but not always. And it won't keep me like sleep all night. But if I turn on my iPad and I put on a boring show, so the boring show that get that works for me and I've been doing it, man, since Netflix probably was invented, I've been doing it <laughs> is Putting on, when I can't sleep, putting on Seinfeld, that show from uh -huh. the 90s, Jerry Seinfeld. Uh -huh. Because they talk in a monotone, first of all. They all talk like blah, blah, so it's not even interesting, right? But I've seen all the episodes, and I know what it's about. And I know that what that show did, that show is how white people act. That show is, that, that show is them. And so I can sleep to it. Because for me, it's I can sleep to it good. I mean, I just flip it on, boom. I click like season two or something early because that way it can just keep on playing and I sleep to it. But every now and then I'll wake up, you know, or get up in the morning and it's on and I'll be like, mm. And, and I think about how that distraction and how the way that whole show was designed, right, 
to first of all leave black people out to leave any non-white person out like we don't even exist in the biggest most global community in the world <laughs> out of new york which is the most global community in the world people talking about london uh-uh new york is the most global city in the world yeah. but it wasn't no black people on the show that was on tv for 10 damn years that's he right. had he had like four black characters that were all these weird horrible stereotypes right yeah. um uh uh had some asian characters that were stereotypes you know like you know the really bad stereotypes of an asian person you know um and that show did great right and that show was able to you know transcend and and make so much and then made stars out of more people you know including chris rock and other people right um and and so just to think about you know the the ease of manipulation of propaganda to think about how it can keep us so distracted but at the same time those messages get built in so subliminally deep yeah they do um, and it, it really speaks to this idea of the importance of representation and having diversity in any, any arts, TV, film, music. And when you don't see yourself represented, again, you start to, like you said, you watch something where there's no black people. And you're like, well, I mean, if, if an alien came and watched Seinfeld, they'd be like, well, do, do other people exist? You, you know, because you don't see it. It's so weird. But television has been like that for a very long time, actually, you know, and only recently you start to see some of the um, more diverse perspectives shown on television. It's really interesting. Even in magazines and things, now you start to see more representation, but it, it, it's mind-boggling um, how some of the stuff that we are shown or presented, um, we, we do absorb a lot of that. We do, absolutely. And the thing that's interesting is it all, like, I don't think there's any, like, tentacle of the conversation that doesn't point back to politics. Because even if we look at media, and so I guess maybe maybe about two months ago, I was doing some research and I was on YouTube for, like, three days straight, just, like, looking for things and trying to understand, you know, certain things with the algorithm, just doing all this research. And I started seeing so much um, advertisements for things that are not real products, things that would never work, like weird diet solutions and what popping up on YouTube. And but it looked like news. It looked like a news article. Yep. And so I was thinking to myself, well, shit, if somebody wasn't paying attention, if they didn't know, no, you can't lose 40 pounds by drinking anything. <laughs> No beverage can make you lose for it. That's just not a thing. Right. Like or whatever. And and when I started seeing all these propagandas or whatever, and I said to myself, this is only allowed because of law and because of media. Why would you allow people to advertise to sell things as health cures that don't work? Yeah. That's the politicians. Again. And that's our public health. So imagine a person who maybe is struggling with, you know, some weight or other health issues that finds some kind of miracle cure on the internet, tries it, even if it doesn't work, but it's a waste of their money, a waste of their hope, a waste of their time, you know, it's definitely going to be an impact to their mental health, right? And that seems to me like all of those, it's now like, I mean, over these past two conversations, I feel like, there is no area, you know, that 
does not that there's not a way to correlate it to an impact on public health, which then is going to have an impact on individual health. Yeah, Am I feeling I it right? Am I understanding it right? Yeah, I mean, and, and health literacy is a thing. I don't know if people know that or if you know that health literacy. Yes. So being able to read is one thing, but yes. health literacy is another thing. Again, how do you look at an advertisement and be able to tell that this is, you know, reputable or not? And some people don't have that skill set. So they're actually, you know, by my profession, I'm a health educator. I was trained to be able to teach people how to understand health information. I was trained to work in communities, develop programs. So, I, you know, one thing that a person that has my educational background will be able to help them figure that out. There are whole programs in, in certain health departments that focus on, you know, helping people de debunk certain myths or, hey, this this advertisement about a COVID cure is not true. That there's we, we are having to do a lot of that work so that people are informed because if you are desperate and your 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 loved one is sick or you're sick and you know you got to go to work tomorrow and if, and if you don't use your job and you see an ad for a COVID cure, you may be well inclined to do, you know, so it's like we have to do a lot of work to try to undo some of those harms around false advertising because people are, they don't care. They will put out all kinds of stuff to deceive people to, you know, free COVID test and you look around, where's the COVID test? But they got your name and all your personal information. So how do you tell what's a, a, a real COVID testing site versus something that's deceptive? So a lot of that is about health literacy. And it's also about just making sure we inform people on, you know, what's real and what's not. And it can be hard because there's so many yeah. different messages coming from to us from so many different places. It can be hard to tell the difference. It, it can be, but I love that. And I think this is a perfect place to wrap up because I think what we should do is we should figure out how we want to take people on a little uh, a, a health literacy journal journey, right? And maybe what are the three things, you know, and, and next time we get together, we'll, we'll dive into that for people so that they can start to think about it. Because even if I think about, you know, those of us, you know, that have access to the Internet and maybe work in, in these situations. But what about you trying to talk to your Nana or your granny or, or you know, somebody's uncle or whatever, right? You need right. to be able to do that. So let's talk about that next time. My dog's going ham over here. So I'm going to be out. So thank you so much. And everybody, tune in soon. We'll see you again. Bye.